Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Mental health is something so many of us struggle with, and some of the biggest issues arise from uncertainty, both economically and emotionally. Today on the Spent the Rent podcast, our focus will be on mental health during a shutdown. the rent podcast i am your host patty rose today we will be talking about mental health during a shutdown as many of you have followed my personal facebook page i have been very open about our barbershop being proactive and shutting down even before it was mandated to do so and i've been trying to make extra cash while driving for uber eats well their system is overloaded and i've been taken off the road because they have received an erroneous amount of notices that my deliveries were not completed Until I can get this fixed, the only source of income I have is from donations to the podcast. I am asking all my listeners to simply go to strpod.com slash sponsors and make a one-time donation to help my family get through this difficult time. Thank you for your support. The link will be in the show notes. Now let's get to our guest. We are joined by today's guest, Sarah Schofield. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I wanted to reach out to have you on the show because you've been a guest in the past. We did an episode about suicide prevention, and I encourage anybody listening to this to go back and listen to that full extent of what it is that you do. We'll talk briefly about that, but I wanted to reach out because when you had came on the show, we didn't know each other. We talked a little bit through Messenger and whatnot about the podcast, and then when you came on, it was pretty quick that we had a good chemistry, and I felt like I I had made a really good friend. So... Once this whole thing hit, I've seen some of the things that you've posted and it kind of inspired me to reach out and ask if you'd like to be a guest so that we could talk about mental health. Yeah, for sure. Really important. It's really, really important. And so there's a few things uh, that I wanted to touch on, you know, basically what people can do to kind of keep their sanity as much as possible right now. But first, let's talk about what it is that you do, kind of what you are known for in this community, uh, the work that you do with suicide prevention outreach. So talk on that a little bit. Yeah, so um, I actually am working with a few different groups at this point, um, which is new from the last time we spoke, Um, but I do still advocate as a field ambassador for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and that work um, is year-round through AFSP, which is a national organization, so we do focus on um, what's going on in Oregon here, um, but the organization itself is all over the country, and they do all sorts of great work, including research um, into what exactly is going on um, with suicide and suicide rates and people who are are struggling um, or people who are not struggling and what, what they're doing. Um, so in addition, this year I've joined a coalition here in Lane County that's um, called the 
Suicide Prevention Coalition of Lane County, and it's a community-based um, group that's being um, essentially facilitated through public uh, health and human services with the county of Lane. Um, so that's new. We, as a group, are rolling out some trainings um, for what uh, what's a program called QPR, which is Question, Persuade, Refer, which is basically a um, a, a kind of everyday Joe version of suicide prevention crisis. Um, it just gives some basic stuff. Unfortunately, um, with this uh, virus business going on, we have had to halt our plans for training. So we had a few of them and then that's kind of on pause. Um, but at this point, as we move forward and find out what's gonna go on here and obviously eventually life will go back to um, the possibilities of doing these kinds of things in public again. Um, and so that will be coming, um, and that's actually going to be coming to um, your local spaces. Um, we're actually, you'll appreciate this, we're calling this kind of casually um, barbers, baristas, and bartenders because we are reaching out to places where people are. So we've done them at restaurants and um, are making plans to do some here in town um, and that's going to be really big. That's going to help the community to learn how to deal with somebody who is immediately in some sort of crisis. So at this point, my business has uh, grown from this national stage um, and the community walk that I helped put on here and um, a capital day where we legislate um, with AFSP, which happened just uh, in February. And, uh, and now I'm doing this Lane County project. So that's more direct information getting to the people here in our community, which I love. Um, and there's, there's going to be a website of resources. We are still working on that process, but um, for those out there who are just looking for local resources for um, mental health and other sorts of um, prevention type programs, um, that website will eventually be rolled out and promoted as a place for people in the community to go um, kind of as a central location for all that information. Yeah, that's awesome. So when that does roll out, you know that I'll be plugging that on the podcast and I'll do what I can to, to talk to the guy that owns the barbershop I work at to get, to get us on board with that too as well. That's awesome. The work you do is incredible and it doesn't go unnoticed and which is why I wanted to have you on. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to just ask straight up, I mean, how are you holding up? You know, I'm doing all right. I, um, you know, it is a struggle. I think for a lot of people, um, me included, isolation becomes part of what is dangerous about mental health conditions and especially depression, anxiety, which often can lead to um, agoraphobia, fear of leaving your house. So I think it's a trigger for a lot of people just because this behavior of staying home um, is something that we've all used essentially as a vice um, and sometimes to our detriment um, to try and get through depression. And so for me right now, a lot of this is just about acknowledging that this is a different situation, that this is different space, that I don't have to go into hibernation mode mentally, um, that I can continue to carry on, um, you know, despite that everyday normal, um, you know, things that we always do are not normal right, right. now just the routine as much as possible you know absolutely and there's a lot we can do that just prepares ourselves for 
um, for me at least, for separating this situation from my personal situation. Yeah. You know, some of the main stressors for mental health, um, I talked about it in the intro, the economic impact and the emotional impact and the economic impact, you know, it's, it's insane when you go on Facebook and this goes for everybody that you can just read all of your friends talking about how they're not out of work, or, you know, that they're baristas, barbers, like you had mentioned, and it's just impacting us so much. You know, for me personally, I wanted to mention this of the economic impact. I tried to be proactive. The barbershop closed a week ago, Monday, and before the, you know, the mandate went into effect a week before. And so I was proactive and I signed up for Uber Eats to do deliveries. Well, I did a week of it and it was really good because it compensated some of the lost income. And then I get yesterday, I did my first delivery and then I get an alert on the app and it says contact customer support. And I do. And it said that I, you know, they had told me over the phone uh, that I had not delivered food to multiple people, which is insane because I was taking it very serious and taking every precaution and also taking my time texting the writer or the, the customers when I was on my way and getting confirmations when they were delivered. So until they can review the thing, then I'm no longer allowed to do deliveries, which is insane. And that was keeping me more than the money. This is what I keep saying. More than the money, it was keeping my brain occupied because I felt like I wasn't you know, worthless and not bringing anything to the table. Fortunately, we are in a position where I can dip into savings and survive for a month or two. But outside of that, it's very uncertain. So I'm it's asking I'm, real quick, real quick. I'm asking people that are listening, listeners to the show, if they could, if they would like to support, they could give a donation, a one-time donation to the podcast at strpod.com slash sponsors. And that link will be in the show notes. And I just wanted to mention that I don't want anyone to feel obligated, but if they'd like to, to help out, you know, donate two, three, five dollars, whatever they can. And that's where. So what were you going to say? All I was going to say is that this is the, the trouble with um, creating scenarios where corporate America is who we have to turn to in times oh, like 100 percent. You know, the fact that, um, you know, certainly there are local restaurants who are doing delivery um, or pickup kind of stuff. But, you know, as you know, the people who are getting put to work doing that are people who already work in these restaurants and bars and places where these people are now out of work. And it's frustrating to me that, um, you know, you see it all over the place, not just your experience, but, um, you know, over and over that the reality is that we look to corporations to save us often as Americans. And that, that went through my head initially when I even started doing it. I'm like, am I hurting other people? But to me, it was my, since I'm an independent contractor as a barber, it's the only form of unemployment that I'm provided. So yeah. I, I definitely went through that thought in my head. Like, am I hurting delivery drivers? And I, I didn't, I came to the conclusion that I'm not cause it's, it's crumbs and, and hope, you know, you're totally right though, because the corporation that you have to turn to in this case, Uber you don't get the face-to-face -face interaction where there's a conflict of your, of your employment. I have to now wait until an unforeseen time for them to respond to see if I can even go forward with my employment status. So right. it's so, it's so up in the air. My girlfriend has been incredible. You know, we're talking here about mental health and she's been my rock and my foundation because she is trying to keep me sane so that she can stay sane. Cause if she, she gets starts slipping on it, then we're all in trouble. So She's That's been amazing. Good. She's been really, really supportive and, and things are good, you know, but I just wanted to touch on my personal story because I know that there's thousands, if not millions of stories like it. 
you know. Yeah. And I don't say this idea that, you know, corporations are failing us as a criticism of you choosing that. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't anyway. take it that way. Yeah. I just think that we've just created a society where we're so reliant on these giant corporations and billionaires um, that when you see, well, obviously anybody who's on the internet right now can see that um, the truth of it is that communities do have the capability of taking care of each other, that people really do care and that people are going to reach out and that what has gotten in our way is this kind of lazy move towards, well, it's just easier if somebody else does it. And at this point in society, what we're learning is that ain't nobody else going to do it. The people that we've relied on to protect us are not having interest at heart. So when I see the thing that's the local restaurant or the you know local shelter or whatever that's saying, hey, we've got food available or we've got some sort of services or we're you know now offering this for free or whatever, um, what it confirms to me is that, well, we could have done this all along. There's silver linings to this. And, and it's interesting because I'm somebody that struggles with anxiety and I'm open about it because I know that being open helps others. And there's, there's some things that can be learned from this that I think that in the long run, we're going to be better off. I, I'm really optimistic and I'm keeping my spirits high because I feel like, like you just said, we're, we're having to look in the mirror as individuals and collectively. And so this is, there's some things that, that I think we're going to come out in a brighter spot. Uh, the emotional impact of all of this, we're discussing it currently, obviously, uh, you know, people are going to deal with it in different ways. One of the things that drew me to want to interview you, you had shared a meme about body shaming. It was talking about, can you talk on that a little more? Do you remember the content? It yeah. Was, uh, Basically what it said is, um, can we stop with all of the fat jokes around this isolation? Um, you know, it's essentially not helpful to people to have to be concerned about their body image at this point. And honestly, for me, and you know, you know this, and certainly a lot of people in our community do if they know me, um, what I do for a living is work in a plus size clothing store. What I do every single day of my life is advocate for people who feel shame around their bodies. And we've done it for so long that it's, you know, it's still the, um, you know, the last acceptable thing. You still see fat jokes on sitcoms, on primetime television. You know, it's, um, there's a lot of movies and, and kind of society stuff that leans to that. And one of the things I saw also kind of in, in regards to this particular thing is this conversation around your own personal body shaming and the reality that most of us went from active lives where we were out and about to you know, more sanitary being at home. And, and that's for a lot of reasons. I know for myself, I'm high risk for COVID-19. I feel very concerned about being in public. And so what may have been a normal um, interaction with exercise and moving my body um, is just not the same. And so I think people, besides publicly kind of goading people into feeling bad by posting jokes or memes or whatever, I think we also shame ourselves to such a, it's so unhealthy. And so I think this can also create scenarios where people just feel extra bad about themselves. And to me, it's like the most unhelpful thing. Like, yeah, your body's going to change. Yeah. 
you might add a few pounds. Yeah, those muscles that you've been working out so hard to build might be slightly atrophied when you come out of this, but it doesn't change the fact that you deserve to have self-love and you deserve to be cared for. And we put such a focus on image that now with this creation of all of this, our image is irrelevant. Yeah. And that's the, I think people's intent, you know, like I saw a friend of mine that popped into my head and I'm not going to name him just to be fair, but he had shared one of those memes and that, and I had seen it and then I had seen yours and what his intent was is, uh, I'm not giving him a pass, but I just, I want to express this. His intent in my opinion was that we're both the same. Like he was trying to give, uh, kind of like if you feel, you know, your body isn't to society standards or whatnot. I, I do as well. So there's comfort there, but I, that's why I wanted to have this discussion because I think that it's lazy to look at it that way. Cause what we need to do is we need to love people for who they are and what they are or what they look like P- regardless, you know, you know, and I saw another one, a really positive one that was like, here's a tip on how to love your Corona belly or whatever. It's a joke, you know, it's a meme. And it says, look down at it and regardless of how it looks, say, I love it. And it's like, there's my, there's my cute Corona belly. You know, and so that's more positive. And so that's the right approach. And that's why I wanted to just kind of even touch on this because there is things that we're subconsciously affected by when we read them that people don't even acknowledge, don't understand when they're sharing memes. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, actually, that process. And it sounds ridiculous. And like you said, it's a joke on a meme. Um, But this process of talking to yourself and your body in a way of healing that feeling, you know, like I said, at my work and my own personal experience is no different. I grew up um, in our culture being told that my body was the wrong shape. And I see women every day who hate themselves because of it. I, I know it's amazing how easily a stranger will tell you how disgusting they think they are. And for me, like I've literally participated in, in this process in the same way that that meme says, the joke but I literally will grab the parts of my body that I have previously felt were not okay and spoke to them and spoke to myself. Like, what is it exactly? And what I say to every single woman that I talk to that has this to say about herself, I always say, I would challenge you to think about whether or not you actually feel that way or believe that or see yourself that way Or if someone in society or a person you know or a group of people have told you that that's how you're supposed to feel or supposed because that's the reality is that this creation of body shame and hate um, is a creation of our society. It's not reality. It doesn't exist. I mean, even now, like there's a huge movement around um, health at any size, around you know living in the body that you've been given. Certainly, people are starting to recognize that being a fat person or living in a bigger body doesn't necessarily mean you're lazy and gross and a drain on society or that you're unhealthy or whatever. I know lots of fat people who work out every day and eat salad and their body is just the size and shape that their body is. And that's it. You know, and I wanted to touch on something with that. You had spoke about uh, women's body image. I want to extend that to everyone because men deal with a different thing. And this is, and you're not saying that, but, but like, you know, from a male's perspective, uh, 
height is one thing that that for men that they can they can feel invisible you know because they're they're told oh there's jokes all the time i see them constantly from people women posting it talking about he better not be short kind of thing so it's it's really really important that people just find a way to like you said look at yourself and be like do i feel this way about myself because i do or do i do it because it's society standards yeah i it's funny to mention men and certainly i have lots of experience with men that are full of hate and body shame for themselves. But um, one thing that had happened at one time in my life, I was in the process of, you know, dieting and making the big life change. I was going to be a skinny person. I was, you know, destined to it. That was it. I was going to work hard. And at the time, my cousin, who is kind of the opposite build of me in my family, he's very tall and slender and, um, he's struggled on the opposite that people, you know, expect men to be big and tough and strong and muscly. And, you know, and, and so his whole thing was, I'm just trying to gain weight to be seen in the same way that you're trying to lose weight to be seen. And I can relate to that as a young kid, uh, even into my early twenties, I was scrawny, was really thin, you know, and then it, like you said, our active lifestyles change. And so I used to skateboard and walk everywhere and all that stuff. And then I started kind of hanging out more at home which I thought mm-hmm. was a good thing because I was comfortable. I didn't need to be chasing stuff as much. So that, yep. so being home and, and I wouldn't call it isolation cause I always had company, but, but, uh, I was home a lot more and that was a good thing at the time, but my body definitely changed, you know, and I put on like over 50 pounds. One thing I always say about weight, and then I want to get back to, you know, what we can do to, to maintain during this shutdown. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to say about, about weight is my big thing that I always say is never compare someone to anyone else, period. Because if one individual wants to motivate themselves to be a gym rat, that's on them. That's good for them if that's what gives them sanity and if it's not destructive, you know, and, and so if somebody's like, I could really shed some pounds because there's health risks, that's a motivation sure that they should be able to use. But at the same time, it's just really unhealthy. And you're not, you know, obviously you don't do that. You're, we're talking about individual identity here and, and people loving themselves as they are. So that's the trick is just never compare to anybody else. And then, and then it works out. That's my experience. Yeah. I think that's a safe bet all the way around. And even in speaking about mental health, certainly that is a, a kind of mantra that I lived by for a long time, which is um, don't compare yourself to others, compare yourself to yourself at a previous time. And at this time in my life, that's every day. That's reminding myself that what I did 10 years ago when I was um, in a, in a very dark place mentally. I was struggling. I was not being able to be successful in the processes that I was taking to try to get well. And I spent a lot of time doing a lot of nothing and feeling bad about it and being isolated. And so when I find myself here in these days, I try to remember, hey, this used to be worse. Yeah. That's why I would say that's why, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I completely feel the same way about myself. And that's why during this time of shutdown and of self reevaluation or whatnot, I'm able to get through it because I'm like, how lucky am I to be where I'm at mentally? Because before I've been suicidal, I've been depressed. I've been down on myself and shut in and isolated by choice. And, and to know where I've gotten today, like you just said, uh, it's incredible. And I feel so fortunate and blessed, you know, and so you're so on point with that. And don't forget, for those of the people out there that are listening to this and are still stuck in a bad place, um, and I'm I'm there in a lot of ways still. I'm 
haven't been cured of any of this at this point. I am still living that. But I think sometimes even in the moments when you, when you feel like you're struggling the most, there's little successes that have happened in the past. Um, things that you can say, well, in, before I would have gone to bed and just stayed in bed all the time. But today I'm only staying in bed for 10 hours of every day. So despite the fact that that might look from the outside as someone who is failing at dealing with their mental health condition, the reality is that you still have that. Hey, this oh, oh, year. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate. I mean, there's, I remember times where if I got up for three hours and then I vacuumed my living room, I felt accomplished. And that was an accomplishment at that time because it's baby steps, you know, and I've written songs about that, you know? So, uh, one of the things with mental health that I really wanted to discuss was ways that you can help yourself by helping others. And so with mental health, I've always found like what we're doing today, because our goal is to reach out to my audience and to tell people or show people that they're not alone, that if they're struggling or they feel like they're struggling with their mental health, that they're not alone. And I, you know, by helping others, by having these kind of conversations, it's really cr crucial. And also by calling your loved ones. And, you know, sometimes in our busy lives, we are working so much and we just text back and forth or whatnot, but having an hour long conversation with someone you've maybe not talked to, maybe an aunt out of the, you know, out of the area or your grandma or whoever, I think it's a really good time to do that because just to make them aware that you're thinking about them, I think it can go a long way for both you and them. Yeah. I keep joking that, um, you know, we don't have any excuses right now. I, ex I excuse myself out of, um, communication with people all the time. Oh gosh, I just don't have time. I'm too busy. You know, whatever interruption that I have. And the truth is, is that right now we just don't have that. And nobody's pulling off the, I'm too busy card on, talking to people. And so for me personally, um, what my goal has been through this process, I've been now um, self-quarantined for a little over a week. And um, my goal every day when I get up is to reach out to three people that I don't normally speak with. And whether that be text or messenger or whatever, or talking on the phone, um, I've, I FaceTime chatted with a family member in Portland the other day. And so um, I agree wholeheartedly, and I think sometimes, uh, for me at least, setting a goal, um, creating a, a you know kind of expectation for myself, so that when it rolls around that it's eight o'clock and I'm like, oh, I only talk to two people, I have to say, okay, like get on your phone, figure out you got you got one more person to touch today. Um, so I think the goal itself is helpful. Yeah. You know, one thing with, like you said, people not being busy, it's been a heck of a lot easier for me to book these remote interviews. You know, you had told, <laughs> you had told me when I messaged you yesterday, you were like, well, I, do, I got, I got nothing going on right now. You know, <laughs> I'm willing to do it at 10 AM tomorrow. And I appreciate it because I'm doing something different with this podcast right now. I'm using it to give people in the community a voice. And I've always done that, but this is different because instead of doing like a bi-monthly every other week podcast, I'm doing it almost every day now. And through this time, I'm going to do as much as I can to give people content and to give people comfort. And that's the goal that what we're trying to do. And so, you know, if people want to help, like I said earlier, I'm going to mention it a couple of times. You can go to the website, strpod.com slash sponsors, and you can make a small one-time donation or you can become a monthly sponsor. Our monthly sponsors get their picture on the website and it's pretty cool. So, I mean, our, our community is all local. This is all Lane County based and it's, I've got an awesome audience. It may be small, but it's what it's big enough that it keeps me going. I had Jeremy Cummings last night on Twitter 
uh, a guy that I've never met personally. He became a fan through Twitter. I don't know how it happened because I have five followers, <laughs> but uh, and he made us, you know, made a donation to the podcast. And it was it's kind of what made, motivated me to at least put that out there that people can help. I don't have any expectation. I don't want people to feel obligated, but it's something that I can put out there, you know, so. Yeah. And you are doing a thing that's a service to people. And, you know, uh, it goes back to this conversation we had earlier about the supporting corporations um, versus supporting local people. And, you know, you might not be um, on the front lines as a medical healthcare professional, and you might not be the guy who's um, unfortunately bringing us food temporarily. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But um, this, like you said, is a huge service. And I think that, us contributing to these things now ensures that we continue because as you said, you know, you're going to have to dip into some stuff. Who knows how long this goes? It might be a matter of, and I don't want to even say this out loud, but we might come to a place where these things that we enjoy as comforts um, aren't possible. And I would hate for you to find yourself in a situation where you're selling your your equipment because it's now more important for you to be able to feed your family than to do uh, this. Part. They'd so, have to come and foreclose on my home before I would do that. Yeah, And like I said, I mean, that's obviously a very extreme case, but I know no, I, I feel you though. I feel you. Uh, what do we do if we can't get back to business? And so I think supporting local business everywhere in every capacity of what they're doing is important. That's the cool thing about where I'm at mentally as well. When it comes to my equipment, the value of my equipment in my possession is worth more than any amount of money that could be given to me for it. <laughs> you know, there's no, there is no, the, I will find a place if I have to go and sit on someone else's couch and use their internet that has a little bit more, <laughs> more affluence than I do for the time being, I will, I will be okay. You know, and, and I, and I've got a great family and, 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 and so I'm very fortunate in that, but there is, there's a lot of truth, you know, uh, homelessness is going to be, it's already been a humongous problem in this, in this area. And it's going to, it's going to grow tenfold. And the one thing that I hope is that the pro the prices of housing in Eugene is going to have to go down because people are not going to be able to pay their rent. So obviously it needs to go down to compensate. So we'll see if that happens, but as a long-term solution to some of this. Yeah. And, you know, talking again about mental health, I mean, if there's one thing that I'm doing that's keeping me sane right now, it's literally not doing that. Like, I don't want to go into the future. I don't want to figure out what's going to happen. All I keep saying to myself is something's got to give because we're all in this together. They can't leave us all hung out to dry. No, exactly. There's too many people. And that gives me some comfort. I will say that one thing I've done um, that I want to be open about because I want people to understand that they can do this and it's an option is I have a car payment. And so Selco is who my my, uh, loan is through. All I had to do was call them and I got a deferment for one month at a time. You can only do one month at a time, but they put my payment to where it's not due and they just put it on the back end of the loan. And so every month I can call. And so during however long this takes before I'm cutting hair again, that car payment is on hold, which is fine. Yes, it incurs interest, but it's better so that I have cash flow. And that gives me a chance to plug my sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro. He's doing a bunch of great videos um, about how to, you know, manage money during this time. And so I encourage people to watch his videos, OregonCashflowPro.com. But yeah, you need cash flow. And if there is no cash flow, there's ways like calling Selco to defer your, your, your loan for your car. There's ways to minimize some of the, um, 
costs for this time because we don't know how long this is going to be i'm not sure we're trying so hard not to have that not to do that with our home mortgage because it's such a humongous amount of interest over the life of a loan because we're new homeowners within the last two years Mm -hmm. so we're trying so hard and i think we'll be okay yeah you know i it's funny my um my significant other he's always said this and there's been times in my life where i'm like i will punch you if you say that again um but right now i'm encouraged by it and that is he always says well it'll be all right if it's not all right today it'll be all right tomorrow and um so i think that like i said looking into the future sometimes can be the most overwhelming thing and you know i've seen this come up a lot and um, I'm not a recovering addict, but I um, love a lot of them and have spent a lot of time around 12-step programs. And this idea of taking this one day at a time is so important right now because we really don't know what's going to happen. And I say a lot, there's no reason to worry when you don't even know what to worry about. Exactly. So we'll worry about it when we have to. And and also just to your point around payments. Um, so I have a background in banking. And what I will say is that just about every financial institution has a program around skip payments on loans. So not just Selco, um, there's a lot of places that if you're banking with them, check it out because most of them are gonna have that program. Um, And then alternatively, I think a lot of things are about communicating with these people. And that's really hard to do sometimes. You You might call Citibank and be on hold for an hour because everybody's trying to get them, but I guarantee you're gonna be in a better shot if you are willing to speak to people about it and not just let it go. Same with landlords. You know, landlords are struggling right now and there's a lot of fear around what they're going to do with these mortgages and how they're going to pay their bills. But the truth is, is that the only way as a renter that you're going to get anywhere with this is to contact those people and talk to them about what's going on with you. And even when people's hands are tied, they usually are going to have enough compassion to try to do what they can to help you. And, you know, the thing too, you can ask them to waive the fees. I know with the car loan, Selco has already, they went ahead of, they were proactive and said, we're auto automatically waiving the fees, but to skip payments, sometimes there's a fee. So if you have a corporate bank like bank of America or whatever, when you call them and you talk to them, ask them, simply ask them, is it possible for you to waive the fees? And they very well will do it for you. I would say 90% of the time they will. It's actually, it's a thing that I do a lot and I, you know, I'm pretty good with finance, but you know, that once in a while overdraft or missed payment or late payment or whatever. And I literally called them every time, every bank, Hey, I'm really sorry. You can see that I normally make my payments and I screwed up and I never get rejected. I get told every single time, no problem, Miss Schofield, we'll add the 20, whatever dollars back. You know, the banks are, you know, obviously everybody knows they're bazillionaires. They don't need your $25. Take no, and, trick, they, and they actually, bucks back. it's profitable for them in the long run on a loan because then they're making more <laughs> off of it. So yeah, so it makes yeah. sense, but people are being, the corporate banks are working to, to be better. Selco, I mean, if you bank with a corporate bank and not a credit union, you probably should change that, but yeah, not you, you, should, not, you, you know, but that's a different story. So I really do want to thank you for doing this. Where is, uh, we had talked off air uh, there's some places online. I mean, you basically had said just a simple Google search. Tell me a little bit about that, how, what you've been searching for to get some answers on what to do in, you know, with mental health issues right now. So one thing I will say is, um, as I mentioned, the American foundation for suicide prevention is who I work with and advocate with a lot. And their website is just AFSP.org. And they have a lot of 
research and articles and conversation around this stuff available there. Um, but as far as actual techniques, one thing that I find, and this is kind of prevalent in any therapy around anxiety or depression, is um, you know breathing work, um, mantras, uh, meditation, things like that. Sometimes I, in my life, I've felt really like, oh, it's so foo foo and whatever. It doesn't you know doesn't make any difference. But the truth is, it does. And if you can get control over yourself that's a big difference. Um, for me, I used to have terrible, terrible panic attacks and I've managed through those processes to eliminate that from my life. So right now, in like I said to you earlier, the Google search, what I usually will search is things like relaxation techniques or, um, you know, lower, lowering anxiety. And, you know, the internet is obviously a, a vast um, option for this kind of stuff. And what I always tell people is, it might not be for you. Open it up. Read through it. If it sounds like hooey and you don't think it's going to help you, then close it and open the next site. And I guarantee that somebody out there has created some sort of technique or exercise that you personally will resonate with and feels right for you. And I say, just keep trying until something calms you. And although Facebook right now is blowing up with a lot of really scary stuff, look for the helpers. I've been impressed. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, we had talked about memes and whatnot. And I obviously Facebook is a place where they have an algorithm to make you keep looking at it. And there's statistics that the negative stuff is going to make you keep looking more. But I ha I want to say I have been impressed with a lot of people in my friend group with the, the confidence that we're going to pull through, you know, everything. The, the way that people have been supportive of each other has been incredible. I've seen a lot of really, I mean, people are arguing over memes and stuff, but that's no, that's everyday life. Right. Right. And I think hope, I mean, that's essentially if you boil down suicide prevention or mental health um, care, um, the bottom line in all of this is hope. That's, and if yes. you can find a place in your world, whether it be through Facebook or for that conversation with your family or um, through whatever, you know, through meditation, through, I mean, for me, a lot of time it's like through a funny movie that I can just kind of go into and check out and feel happy for two hours or whatever. But the truth is, is that the hope that we have as people that things will improve, that this will not last forever, that we will get through this is the only thing that can get us through. And so I say to those who, you know, kind of sit back and go, oh, these people are so stupid and, uh, you know, too optimistic and everything's awful and they don't know what they're talking about. You know, try to try to change that narrative in your mind because, you know, somebody filled yourself, you, with the idea that there's no hope and the that there is. So you just got to find it and you got to accept it and um, look to that in the times where it feels like nothing is going to change. Because like I said, everything is changing. Everything is always changing. Nothing is stagnant. Nothing is as it is fixed forever. The only time that happens is um, when people follow through and complete suicide. Then that's the end of hope. So we got to keep hope alive so that we can find a way to get through this. And we can. We definitely can, and we will. So, Sarah, I really appreciate everything you do, all the work you do. And I do want to thank you once again for, for coming and doing this on one day's notice. And yeah, it's it's really, really awesome to hear, you know, what you have to say. And I know the, a lot of my listeners are going to are going to love what you have to say because they'll relate to it. So it's really cool. One of the things I wanted to end with, I wanted to remind people what the most contagious thing in the world is, and that's kindness. 
So if we can try as much as we can to be kind to each other, like I just said, even through Facebook posts, it's really gonna, gonna, if we all work towards being kind on social media, you know, because we're not able to meet in person, it's going to resonate with each other and it's going to be contagious. So let's, let's have those numbers go up and not the, not the COVID-19 numbers. So, and stay home people. Yeah. Stay safe, stay home. So Sarah, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks a lot. I'm going to have you on again to promote your uh, upcoming stuff that you had talked about once that website gets launched. So thanks a lot. Okay. Have a good day. You too. I'm going to end this episode with a song that I recently made from the EP from the dead. It's called kicking a rock featuring Joey Helpish. This is a little song that uh, is just about enjoying your day. So a little bit more positive and upbeat, something we can end with on a good note. Well, thanks again for listening. Kicking a rock down the road, facing the day I think I'll go. Explore my town, I'll see who's down to create a little debauchery. Kicking a rock down the road, facing the day I think I'll go. Hit the street with my two feet, there is no one stopping me.